You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 572, a right royal new king quiz, Holly, Phil and Privilege. This England starring Boris and Carrie. And when is a gig not a gig? That's all coming up after World Party and Ship of Fools. Save Me From Tomorrow. That track seems rather appropriate for these peculiar times. Um, After leaving the Waterboys in 1986, Carl Wallinger formed this band first in a series of hit singles in the UK in the late 80s, early 90s. World Party and Ship of Fools. I love World Party. I think they're great. Uh, I'm currently enjoying the 1993 Top of the Pops repeats on uh, reruns on BBC4. That's where they've reached. They've been doing this for, for some years, going all the way through. And all of a sudden, it's got very, very good. And I very much enjoyed unexpectedly hearing Is It Like Today? 
Play by World Party on the on the, the, the repeat the other week. A lovely band. Well, hello and welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 572. I'm Terence Stackham and, well, let's check. Has she jumped the queue to join us today? Let's ask Juliet Harris. <laughs> I did, unfortunately, jump a queue to see the Labour Party uh, leader's speech. Or rather, That's I didn't graceful. jump a queue. I oh. was waiting in a very long queue. The ticket that I was meant to have had fallen through because it was it was sort of ticketed. And mm. a, a, a man from region walked down the queue and shouted Juliet Harris. And I was pulled out and taken. Typical taken of your to life. That's, that, that is, Absolutely. No so, what no can surprise. I say? I mean, in fairness, I did sort of do that thing where you put one hand to the side of your face as you walk past people were quite <laughs> embarrassed but um so i would love to say not jumping a queue but very sadly i seem to have inadvertently done so this week hi everyone <laughs> well we have a new monarch here in the uk and what better way to commemorate that that news than mm. with a hooray for the king musical quiz ah uh, excellent my fave five questions mo- mostly multiple choice to test juliet and you the listener yeah absolutely a right royal quiz. Wow. Um, let's say there's five questions. Let's uh, Three out of five to win the star prize, which is a tiara from Argos. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. this is the first time I've experienced true jeopardy on this. This is great. <laughs> so um, mostly uh, multiple choice. But this first question is not multiple choice. Mm. Back in the 1990s, Paul King was a VJ, a video jockey, on MTV Mm. and VH1, and he still works for them to this day. But Mm. before that, though, he was in a band called King. What was their 1985 hit that reached number two in the UK? I'm guessing this must be Love and Pride. I don't think they had any other hits that were... what my heart... Such a great tune. One out of one for Juliet. I love that tune. Very probably the listener. Yes, I would think so. Faux opera wailing and guitar made from a fireplace noodling band Queen. <laughs> I'm guessing Juliet and listener, you could probably tell me their best sing- best-selling single of all time in the UK. That's not the question, yeah. but you could probably tell me. I, pre- I presume it's Bow Rap. It's Bow Rap. But what is Queen's second best-selling single in the UK? Was it We Are the Champions? Bicycle race or killer queen? I'm going to go if we are the champions. Correct. Hey, me and we, the listener are the champions of that question, I sense. That reached number two. Um, it, uh, bicycle race reached number 18. No, sorry, no, didn't reach number two. It's the second best silly. Yes. We are the champions. I got confused by me writing the number two next to we are it's, the champions. It's, it's a confusing number. I get it. It is. That's the second best-selling single of all time is We Are The Champions. Uh, Bicycle Race was uh, 18th in the best-selling singles and Killer Queen was 9th. Dynamite with a laser beam. Indeed. Um, Guaranteed to blow your mind. Question three. Let's see if you can keep your run going. Prince Mm. only had one number one single in the UK. Was it 1999? Your theme song, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. That's so kind. Thank you. Or Diamonds and Pearls. 1999, Most Beautiful Girl in the World, Diamonds and Pearls. Only one of them made number one. Difficult one. Um, that is that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. You are correct to oh! do so. Number I mean, one you'd in think 1999, wouldn't you? But yes, I remember the beautiful girl being being huge when I yeah. was when I was sort of watching the ch- the days of the chart show. I remember seeing it on that a lot. 1999 got to number two in 1982. Diamonds and Pearls number 25 in 1991. Three out of three. You've got your wow. tiara. Question four. Desiree Heslop had chart success. Not a familiar yeah. name, I agree, but her stage name was Princess. There's- Oh, I thought she, I thought this might have been Desiree. Okay, fair enough. No, Princess. And her single, Say I'm Your Number One, mm. reached number seven in the UK. But which year? This is like Popmaster Pop. It uh, is. Which year was Say I'm Your Number One uh, reached number seven in the UK? Was it 1980, 1985 or 1990? 
see. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not hugely familiar with the song, so I'm likely to get this wrong. I will say 1990. 1985. Ah, damn it. And it would be one you of the other. You were one year old, so it. let's be honest, you know. That, yes. that we, <laughs> Sadly, when you look, at, look up Princess these days, her website now takes you to a 404 error page. Oh, that, um, that's all of our fate in the yeah, end. Isn't it all? We're all going to end up mm. on a 404 page of life. Last, last question. We are, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today <laughs> yeah. to celebrate this thing we call the page 404 of life, as so, Prince would have said. He would indeed. Question five. Charles Dickens, Charlie Chaplin, Charles Manson, Charles Darwin, and of course, King Charles III. But which character in The Simpsons has the first name Charles? Is it Charles? Oh, I, think, Charles I think I know this. Simpson. Go on, yep. I would expect you, I would be yes. very, I'm happy if you didn't. <laughs> Charles Homer Simpson, Charles Nedward Flanders, or Charles <laughs> Montgomery Burns? It is. Uh, to, when he ran for election in the programme, as the song went, only a moron wouldn't cast his vote for good old Monty Burns. Charles it, it, Montgomery Burns. Full name, Charles Montgomery Plantagenet Schicklegruber Burns. <laughs> like, uh, so I enjoy that the full names of people in The Simpsons. You know, mm. there's a, the, the, the sorry pally guy that's quite sarcastic. <laughs> often. His apparently name is Raphael, I learnt the other week, which I did oh, not know. Okay. Also, um, who is who is a who are comic book guy and um, they have three word names who who are so so comic book guy's real name is jeff albertson um but right. who is eleanor abernathy otherwise known as i don't know she is crazy cat lady oh that is who abernathy. that is so so yes i'm uh well what can i say so many charleses so yes exactly so four out of five um we let you off the princess one the the argos tiara is coming your way look out i'm for it. looking i mean i was gonna say i i, I will get the uh i'll get the concierge in my yes. my block of flats ready to receive it Package, Amazon package for Miss Harris. Um, <laughs> the, co the coverage of the Queen's death, the period of mourning and then the funeral mm. were covered in very similar ways by television, uh, both here in the UK and abroad. And prior to the funeral, generally a case of uh, a solemn anchor in the studio, a guest or two with varying um, levels of expertise. And mm. the risk factor, uh, a reporter live at Balmoral, Buckingham Palace, Windsor. I say risk because they face the danger of someone ruining their solemn mood by uh, gurning or shouting out obscenities or disrupting their piece to camera mm. in some way. On the day of the funeral, uh, BBC Sky and ITV were the most resources had that they had the strongest mm, coverage, yes. I think. But the BBC made a huge error by not following the hearse from London to Windsor, and they mm. chose instead to interview people like Maureen Lipman and uh, various other sort of personalities. Um, many viewers switched to Sky because um, they had a helicopter following yes. the boy and several fixed cameras on the route, and it was um, rather a moving sequence that the BBC missed. But um, overall, though, Jules. An extraordinarily, I felt, well-organised and respectfully covered 10 days. Yes, absolutely. The funeral particularly, just the biggest outside broadcast thing ever, you'd think, wouldn't you? And it was seamless. You never saw a wire. You never saw any cables. I thought it was that was beautifully done. I th it was very nice to hear from Kirsty Young, who I thought mm. did very well. Obviously, had to, reported had to take a bit of a sort of a, a back step from public life, yes. handing over the reins of Desert Island Distillery on Laverne and, and not being around for a bit. She was um, very emotionally engaged, I thought. Yes, Kirstie. she was. And and the bit when she did a sort of a monologue at the end, I thought she might cry. She didn't. But I thought she was. Yes, I thought she was really good. I, I agree with you that they should have followed the followed the sort of the courty edge. But equally, I thought her interviews were very well done. I thought they I thought, like you say, she was very she, she had a very good emotional ear for the whole thing. I think I think she did very, very well. And her commentary was good as well. So I would say hooray for Kirsty Young, who did a great job. Um, yes, I. I got to the point where I felt a bit oversaturated by coverage mm. and it was one of those things where I totally get the reason that we had it but equally 
I did watch a few crime dramas on Netflix and 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 ITV Hub for a couple of days just because you know I wa- I watched the the big ticket things but I just got to a point where oh, I, I was agree, just yeah. I just felt I I mean I just I was just you know, I just couldn't quite deal with it anymore. Um, so I can give you some crime job recommendations <laughs> at some point if you want them. But um, but yeah. no, genuinely, I thought it was it was well covered. Um, I watched a couple of the the um, doc the the documentaries. I thought mm. that the one that BBC One did on the Friday night, I think it was, had every talking head, didn't they? They got every yes. former prime minister and they just got everybody mm. together very very quickly. Um. I, yes, I thought the coverage was, was very good. We very much enjoyed the pantomime element of the Archbishop of Canterbury's speech. Um, we very much enjoyed his um, thoughts on people that serve and people that cling on to power being long forgotten. We enjoyed yes. that. But um, that was that was very well said, yes, I thought. But, um, but no, I thought the coverage was very good. Um, yeah, like you say, I... I it was it was I suppose it was in what was what in a way it was interesting was the fact that that, uh, that if you didn't want to see people driving along, the BBC did offer you an alternative offering, I suppose. So um, it did. It did. I did rather chuckle at the fact that. Um, so the whole sort of coverage of the period of morning and radio stations reacting instantly. Um, lots of radio stations, of course, didn't want to didn't want to sort of be, be, be accused of being frivolous. And, you know, Six Music did an excellent job of moving over to to sort of calmer music. They play some very interesting things. My friend's favourite moment that he told me about was when he flicked through the stations and are you familiar with the heavy metal magazine Kerrang? Oh, yes, I am, yes. Well, there uh, is a radio yeah. offshoot called Kerrang FM, I think, or something similar, um, or Kerrang Radio. Um, Kerrang Radio was playing The Lark Ascending at one point <laughs> when my <laughs> friend turned over. And that, that, that was my favourite moment, I felt, of all the coverage, and it was so incongruous. I also enjoyed Playmobil's tribute so with their Playmobil Queen, which was perhaps a little bit disrespectful, <laughs> but quite sweet, I thought. So, so it's, 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 it's certainly been an interesting time, I think. We, we British have a very strange relationship with privilege. Um, not, a, not a murmur about... Westminster Abbey filled with Lord this mm. and Lady that, and I, yeah. I suspect, I suspect as a nation, um, uh, uh, to make a generalism, we we rather like the nobility to be around and very bu- visible at times mm. of national distress or interest. But then the coin flips overwhelmingly when the public see two television presenters use their privilege to jump the queue to see mm. the Queen lying in state. In Westminster Hall, and they, these two television presenters, previously seen as popular, if rather bland hosts of a Mm. mid-morning show are now being portrayed as as pariahs and Jules I genuinely can't understand the difference in response here because you've got for example Gordon Brown and David Cameron swept up the the, you know to the front of the Mm. funeral and also like make way please for the Marquis of Salisbury and uh, Baroness Manningham Buller but Woe betide Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield using their privilege mm. um, as TV personalities. It's interesting, isn't it? Maybe, and I, you know, I don't disagree with you. Maybe I'm just trying to think about, about if there is a difference. Maybe the difference is that this morning is some is a program that very much prides itself on being. It's it's like, like a lot of daytime TV and and also it's sort of prime time TV. I put the one show in this this kind of mm. uh, category as well in that. It's sort of in, it's a program that ingratiates itself into viewers' <laughs> lives, isn't it? It's this idea that you know we're all one big family is the impression. A friend of mine commented once that he was sort of on, out on a run and saw a huge a huge TV screen in someone's window as he was running past that had the presenter of the one show on it that looked to be quite almost human sized. The camera angle was mm-hmm. such that they were sort of huge. And he said, "I wonder if that was intentional that you feel like the presenters are part what of a your good family." And I want, and I wonder if this morning tries to give you a similar sort of thing, doesn't it? Are you join Holly and Phil on their sofa every day, and you know they chat and they tell you about things, and maybe people are offended by the fact that guess what, guys, these people that are meant to be part of our family and we're like them, they're not like us really, are they? And I think I think that was perhaps that what what caused. Whereas politicians and people that have and I hate to say this, but sort of serious positions in public life, that that feels like slightly less of a reach, I suppose. I don't know. But interesting from, and I, I am going to say this, interesting mm. the tale from Popbitch, the, uh, the the emailer that gets right. sent around. But this this thing, um, 
the, the, not only are Holly and Phil been perhaps um, treated differently to people in general, they've also been treated differently to each other. So, so there's been a lot of adverse publicity about Holly Willoughby doing this, and should she lose her job? And we yes. haven't heard anything about Philip Schofield. And mm. Popovich says, and this is perhaps more of an interesting, more of a sort of a, a well, I never slash this is how things are point than in, in Phil and Holly within themselves. The continuing tale of Holly and Phil's cue cutting has been ticking over for nearly a week now, yet it was Holly alone who got plastered over the front page of The Sun, supposedly fighting for her job. May have left you wondering why Schofield was spared the same. The answer may lie in YMU. YMU, formerly known as James Grant, is a celebrity talent agency that has a lot of the UK's biggest TV stars on its books. As well as getting their clients all the plum TV jobs, it also acts as a sort of protection racket. If a paper ever tries to turn over a YMU client, whether that's for indulging in Class A drugs, being a workplace bully, um, you know, uh, mm. enjoying the company of other people that are not your spouse, etc. Um, <laughs> it risks getting placed on their blacklist. That means that you can't get access to the rest of the rosters. So that's no Anton Deck, no Simon Cowell, no Ryland, no Stacey Solomon, no Tess Daly, and dozens of others too. Philip Sofil has been so loyal to James Grant slash YMU over the years that he literally gave them his firstborn. Molly Schofield currently working there as oh, a talent agent. Grief. Holly, on the other hand, recently left YMU to start up her own agency. Even worse, in July she took them YMU to court and she won £1,250,000 off them. So clearly the human shield she once enjoyed is no longer on offer. I feel that is is perhaps oh, the gosh. story below the story in this, isn't mm. it, really? So, so yes, not saying that I agree with Q jumping in any sense but, um, yeah, I, I think it's always interesting to dig a bit below what's going on. What Do are we th- being told? Why are we being told it? What are we not being told? Do you think the point that um, David Beckham, Beckham, Susanna Reid, Sharon yes. Osbourne, Tilda Swinton, James yes. Grant all queued for 10 to 12 hours, is that a dagger in the credibility of Phil and Holly as well? I think so. I think so. That having said that, as much as I, I do admire David Beckham, I did say to someone, he had many photographs taken with people in the queue, didn't he? He wasn't mm. exactly bursting to stay anonymous. And I did note that he knew exactly when to cry on camera. So maybe oh, it wasn't quite as, um, maybe it wasn't quite as, I don't know. I Maybe I'm just too cynical, Terence. But yes, I, I agree. And uh, reportedly, there seemed to be some suggestion that Theresa May may have queued up as well. So, oh, really? So, well, that, if yes. she did so, hats off to Mm-mm. Mrs May. Um, Absolutely. I'm, I'm not sure if that is 100% true or not. She no. certainly seemed to queue. For, she didn't seem to just walk past. So, so Mrs May comes out a lot better out of office than she was she? in it. Doesn't she? Yes. Doesn't she? And, uh, and also, by comparison as well. Oh, Lord, <laughs> yes, yes. That's a low bar, isn't it? isn't it, isn't it? Um, coming right up we review this england the new drama mm. documentary on sky atlantic starring speaking, speaking of people coming badly out of things yes yeah. indeed kenneth branner as boris johnson that's next after the head coaties
mean, that's a great song in general. I've, I, it's one of those songs that I'm not sure anybody could do a bad version of that because it's such a great song. But um, the, the Sonics are, I think, the most famous version of that. But um, I'm uh, Richard Berry wrote it, I believe. Um, but yeah, that is my favourite version. I think the head coaties and I have love will travel. Any band with Bongo Debbie in it is yes. good with me. And no, it's a lovely mix of. Um, Kind of punk and the Shangri-Las meet, yes. I think, is lovely. And that was that was very much what that band who were who were masterminded by Billy Childish of the Headcoats mm. or the Headcoats, hence why the, the sort of the, the, the changing. Um, yeah, they were always doing that as a kind of a vibe, and I think it works very well. The um, Sky Television series, this England has it's mm. undergone actually a checkered route to now yes. being broadcast on Sky Atlantic. It, it's over 18 months since Sky first published stills of Kenneth Branagh transfer um, transformed into mm. a Boris Johnson lookalike. Initially, it was titled Deceptor Isle back in 2020 and was due to chart Johnson and his government during the first months of the pandemic. Mm. Filming started in February 2021 with Michael Winterbottom directing, but a month later he stood down due to ill health. He was replaced by Julian Gerald. And this Scepted Isle became This England. And then, mm. of course, the premiere set for the 21st of September was set back a week due to the period of mourning. Mm. So up to date, episode one unrolled this week. It's um, spring 2019 in This England, and Johnson wins the election to lead the Conservative Party. Party, becomes Prime Minister with his sister Rachel and his friend Liz Truss sitting alongside him as the uh, <laughs> announcement is made. I wonder, Jules, if you enjoyed this drama documentary of the, the, the rather odd times only a couple of mm. years ago. Well, I saw the first episode and watched mm. that. Um I mean, I, th- I think really, I could. I mean, it was reasonably well made. I found it reasonably engaging. It's always, it's always that interesting thing of you know, trying to get your head around very, very recent people mm. that you've seen being played by mm. fiction, and that just adds to my general impression that this is just too soon. Really, mm. it is. I mean, having yeah. said that, maybe why I think it's too soon is. I think there are a lot of people that still carry a lot of anger with it by the way in which the, the whole thing was handled. The fact that, you know, the death level was just, I mean, you can't even begin to talk about it. I think channel four made it. The, the first sort of pandemic thing that they made was something called help that starred Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham set basically shining a light on the uh, the complete mishandling of care homes and and the the loss of life and the just the dreadful way in which that that sort of played out and that was excellent and needed saying because that aspect of the story hadn't been told and it was giving a, a critical view on the story I don't have a lot of time for this hagiography of, 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 you know, Boris Johnson and co and how, you know, they all did their best. And wasn't it difficult? Wasn't it the question I got was, wasn't Boris Johnson having a really hard time due to a lot of problems that were entirely self-made? That was the impression <laughs> yes. that I, that I got that, you know, oh, isn't it awful that he's got to tell his children whose wife he left, whose mother he left whilst she was having cancer treatment mm. had to, isn't it awful that he had to find a way of telling them that he was having a baby with the staff with whom he was having an affair? I, I mean, Kenneth Branagh, great impression of Boris Johnson. I shut my eyes at one point and actually thought it was him. It was, mm. it was very well done. But it's just, I don't know, I, I just, I, I'm still so cross at the way that things were handled. I'm still so cross at the lack of genuine regret that people showed themselves to, to, to have and the way that they behaved and the way it was handled. I mean, yeah, it was interesting seeing the committees and people play fictional people. I thought Jonathan Van Tam was good. Whoever they got to play him, I thought he genuinely looked like him. But um, I just, it's not for me really at the moment. I just, I just, it, it, it I don't think it's, it just felt like soft soap and I'm not I'm not after the amount of people that died and the mishandling that we're still paying for today I it, it, you know I, I don't get why I'm having to watch this really in in terms of what you just said about it being too early I, I, I so agree with you because you know I'm I'm 
quite old and and a sort of stable sort of person but i found it quite distressing and mm. rather triggering to yes. relive these events so soon after they occurred absolutely and particularly with the format which was a rather peculiar mix of news and documentary footage yes. combined with sort of faux fly on the wall yes i found that this first episode same as the only one i've watched had an air of claustrophobia about yes, it johnson himself so. portrayed as he said having the black dog a sense of the yes. blues which carrie unhelpfully encouraged him to transfer to the painting yes. he was creating at evening um this this kind of pervaded throughout even in the general election victory even on a sort of freebie holiday in mustique an air of misery drifted through mm. and just what you were saying it just made me think you know there were not quite hidden and some quite obvious references to the re perhaps regret that Johnson felt, maybe still feels, about the predicament of his personal life. And it was, I don't know, it's sort of implied, or I took the impression that it, it was putting over that he was longing for his old life with Marina mm. and their children, from, of course, whom he was estranged. Yes, exactly. But uh, but that was, that was a decision that he made, wasn't oh, it? So, so it was... Yeah. It was I mean, making I, your bed and lying in it. Well, lying quite. In it. That's, you yes. know, his life all over, isn't it? I mean, Johnson is, is shown as a blustering oaf, a sort of lightweight pretending to be otherwise, uh, yes. writing another of his useless books, in this case, some <laughs> sort of quote a minute. Shakespeare, about yes. Shakespeare, yeah. Perhaps this wasn't the place for it, but his lies and weaknesses in some areas were rather brushed over the Jennifer yes. Arcuri and pro-roguing yes. scandals were just flashed past us in in yes. seconds yes quite I very much agree and to sort of pick up on on, on what you were saying mm. about it being too soon so filming started in February 2021 so mm. the story that they I suppose would have been known at that time was that people in number 10 were working very hard they got overwhelmed all that sort of stuff mm. I presume we're not going to see the suitcase full of wine and I assume that we're well, not going mm. to see we're not going to see the the party culture which drips down from the top as someone said on twitter if Theresa may have been prime minister nobody would have so much as opened a glass of schlur within a five mile radius yeah. so so in the sense it's too soon we won't get the full picture from this um it was interesting to see funny little um little sort of um cameos the, my takeaway i was delighted to see belinda lang as carrie simmons's mother i haven't seen her in anything in years great spot for to get her in but yeah it was it it was like you say it was it was all rather sort of brushed past wasn't it I mean at the beginning they had the get off my laptop um moment but yes. we didn't see that fictionalized um we we there was an awful lot of stuff that we didn't see fictionalized um it was yeah I, I you know I like you say it was a little bit um I I, I thought that I sensed that the constant Boris Johnson's constant quoting of Shakespeare and of Greek mythology and things like that I think that is him. I think that seemed to be entirely accurate. The um the Hermes moment for Valentine's Day, um, <laughs> for example. But um, yes. and terrible jo joke about get a gripper as well. I mean, oh, I, I God, sense yes. that probably genuinely did. That yes. had the ring of truth about it. I think. But um, yeah, I just. I just found it all a bit, you know, oh, poor Boris. Yeah, poor yes. people, that, poor nurses that had no PPE for weeks on end. You know, poor people who couldn't, who had to watch their loved ones die on an iPad. Those are the people yeah. that I have the, the sympathy for, I'm afraid. Talking about the portrayals, as you just were, I, I was rather taken but with uh, Matt, Matt Hancock as a sort of smug idiot, which I thought was very yes. fair. I mean, um, I think that probably was. Yeah, Dominic Cummings, you know, as a bullying madman, again, very, very fair. Um, Johnson himself, the, the prosthetics and makeup of Kenneth Branner, I was always, they, they go rather wild with the caricature, but as yes. I agree with you, it's very good. Um, because you I like him. I think a lot of people, when they play people, you have to get the way that you stand and walk right. Yes, and, yeah, yes, and he moved yes. correctly, I thought. He did look like Johnson. Well, I thought I think Johnson himself is such a false character that mm. he's always going to be seen as a man without substance or a shred of conscience. So overall, the kind of perhaps even slightly excessive nature of Brennan's portrayal is probably justified. Um, last thing I want to say about it, there were, there were from the the real footage, i.e., not the 
you know the the um, drama bit. Um, mm. There were some astonishing quotes in hindsight. I've got two of them. We, we saw Johnson quoted as, as saying, "Let's get Brexit done and bring this country together," which you know breathtaking. Mm. And, yes, quite. Uh, 2020 will be a year of prospects, growth and hope. Yeah, right. That's mm, quite. I mean, it was all a little bit. I mean, the funniest, the, the weirdest thing about that was it was like a TV drama, wasn't it? Yes. And, the, and the, that's actually what happened. And, and that's what everybody was saying. And uh, and I remember, of course, I, I suspect the series will go on to cover Johnson becoming ill and having to go to hospital. Mm. And I remember f- texting my friend um, to, you know, when, when the news notification was pushed out that, you know, that he'd had to go to hospital, he had to go to intensive care. And uh, a friend of mine, um, sort of messaged me saying, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the bit in which they tell you that the that the prime minister is ill, um, that is surely a moment in a BBC drama. Yes, my friend said the news in the background saying the prime minister has been taken to intensive care is a very much you are now in a BBC drama moment. So, so the whole thing was, I suppose, lent itself well to drama because it did seem to be structured like a drama, didn't it? Real life. But um, yeah, I... Um, Yes, it was. It was like you said. It was a bit confusing. The flicking between real footage and mm. and, and acted footage. I wasn't entirely sure at what at what points the people were the people themselves, and perhaps best summed up by I can't believe they actually did this. Um, there was a rather looking back on now hasn't aged well sort of wry frown on the BBC Radio 4's more or less sort of taking the mickey out of a hysterical tweet and it turns out that the that the studio presenter and the cast and, and, the, and the, the production team of more or less played themselves in this so they got the team of more BBC 4's more or less to come in BBC Radio 4's more or less to come in and recreate that that was very confusing if you want to watch this this england in the uk is on sky atlantic and via now tv coming next when is a gig not a gig that's right after from the punk archives protex about this band in 1978 reviewed very favorably uh in the new musical express and uh, they had a radio one session with kid jensen they were still at school when polydor signed them but just before all of that they released this track as an independent single from 1978 protex and don't ring me up I very much enjoy your digging up of punk moments of punk history that I have completely missed and that is no exception I enjoyed that could be my theme song don't bring me up don't <laughs> yes please me. don't please yeah. don't leave me alone me on the telephone. exactly yes, yes. favored favored method methods of contact as i saw on a <laughs> meme recently one text message two 
email, three letter, 98 skywriting, 99 pigeon, 100 phone call. Exactly. So, yes, with you on this. Yes. Ever get the feeling you've been cheated was the rather mm. rehearsed sneer that Johnny Rotten sent yes. the way of the crowd at the end of the Sex Pistols gig at Winterland, San Francisco in January 1978. And I imagine, given a chance to respond, many in the crowd would probably have said, well, yes, actually. Um, in fact, that quote ties in with our with our previous topics uh, today, really. Holly and Phil's Q-hopping, uh, Boris mm. Johnson's lies and obfuscation. But lied and was, he later said, referring to him, the band and the audience being cheated by the jealous shenanigans of bad management. Mm. But when are we really cheated at? A live gig. Times change. Expectations change too. Mm. The Beatles never played for more than half an hour. In, in, mm. in their, their last live gig, Candlestick Park, San Francisco, August 1966, they played 11 songs and nobody mm. felt cheated. That was the norm. And I recall going to see the Ramones in 76, 77, and they played about 18 songs in 35 minutes. And I remember everyone thought it was rather funny. <laughs> um, so what is good value and what is a ripoff? This week, Ian Brown, veteran singer in inverted mm. commas with the Stone Roses, started a solo tour of the UK. I don't mm. know if it was advertised beforehand. I don't think it was. That Brown would not have a band and would be singing mm. to a backing tape or, well, yeah. actually a hard drive. It's 2022. Um Additionally, as far as I can tell, little or no Stone Roses material or solo stuff. Jules, many of the audience did get the feeling they'd been cheated. Yes, absolutely. Forty More than £45 a ticket to go to see cool. Ian Brown at O2 Academy Leeds. Um, walks out with no one on, on stage. So we've got Paul Griffiths from Bradford, who's paid £47.50 for his ticket and said that he couldn't believe it when Ian Brown walks on stage without other musicians. He's Mr Griffiths, who's been a fan for more than 20 years, said, we did stay until the end, but my mate wanted to leave after the first song. And this lovely quote, uh, you had the drunk people who weren't too bothered, but most were pretty <laughs> cheesed off. Um, uh, the fan in the, it was in a balcony section said, we expected a band, it's just a given, really. Um, he came on stage shortly after nine o'clock, did a set spanning his seven solo albums. Now, I'm not that bothered that he hasn't done Stone Roses stuff, mm. because as far as I'm concerned, it's a solo. If it's advertised yeah. as a solo tour, then I don't think you can be too cross. It's meant to be going to Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, it's someone else that paid um, £45. And I think this is a good choice. This is a good, good um, analysis. I've seen him live as a solo act before. And whilst there's an acceptance that his voice won't be great, the live performance aspect is where the energy comes from. Sadly, there wasn't a band, so there was no energetic drummer, no masterful guitarist, just him singing along badly to a backing track. <laughs> it just left me cold and disinterested. Very little effort was put in planning these gigs. And for that sort of ticket price, it's scandalous and disrespectful having said that if you want the um if you want the the, the counterfactual to that post-punk duo sleaford mods um tweeted mm. ian brown's solo stuff has always been more hip-hop and beat oriented so his new setup works it's not like his black sabbath or summit is it said mm. the quote but um yeah i think i would be disappointed if i paid i think that the key to that comes in the money that you were paying i think really so for 45 pounds mm. I would expect a backing band, Terence. I would accept. I would expect a sort of not half-ass show, really. And I know that the Ian Brown, as people say, people know that Ian Brown is not the greatest of singers, <laughs> but does have a stage presence, and that would have been enhanced by, as that guy said, by by a sort of a backing band. As it is, you've just got someone caterwauling along to a backing tape. I could go to my local pub and watch the karaoke for that. I wouldn't need to pay £45 to go and see Ian Brown doing that. And it's just it's just sad, really. It's sad that, that that's allowed to happen. But it's also angering because people are being ripped off. Yes, I mean, you, you mentioned sort of social media, and I saw some um, fan shot clips put up of, of, of yes, uh, one Brown's went viral. leads. Yes, think, exactly. Yeah. They, they were rather damning. I mean, we know, yes. as, as we we both said, he can't sing a note. But in the clip I saw, um, he sang, you know, flatter than a pancake on Shrove mm. Tuesday, and and he looked. I thought he just looked a bit foolish and hapless, floundering yes. around the stage with no. I think thing about the about the band is. 
what a live band brings is atmosphere it's why yes duos like say the pet shop boys put on such a big showbiz yes, visual when they play live yeah because they know one bloke on stage pacing about a bit and another bloke motionless behind yes. a keyboard is not a show no, and exactly. a lot of audience members use the same word that you did karaoke to describe yeah. brown show and i can't see this style of presentation being copied because i mean i suppose it was to save money and enable a bigger bigger profit for brown but his credibility such as it ever was yeah has taken a real dive here absolutely and and it's to be honest that i you know this this is going to sound mean i don't mean to the stone roses shows when they when you know if they if the stone roses reunited you know that 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 you know stone roses reunion shows are one thing is there a massive audience left for Ian Brown solo? I'm not convinced no. there is. There's some audience, and mostly it's nostalgia people. I would think um, it's people that remember the Stone Roses. It's not. It's not Ian Brown. I don't think it's not Ian Brown sort of fans. Um, it's it's so. If you've got a limited base, a fan base, is it a good idea? to alienate them like this because they because if it's not like he's peeling out to new um it's not like they're it's not like they're they're sort of um they're reaching out to new to new areas he hasn't got a young fan base that he's appealing no, to i don't think no. so why do this then and make the people that are willing to come and see you and the people that are willing to pay 45 pounds to come and see you why alienate them like this i don't think any of those people we've heard from will be going back anytime soon and it's just it's just gonna ruin the little like you say the little credibility and the little appeal he has left never mind she bangs the drums nobody mm. bangs the drums Aye, very good i think you've been working on that one i can tell that's excellent it took a week to get put that together <laughs> Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along as always. I echo the sentiments of my colleague. Now, I can guarantee you won't feel cheated if you listen to Juliet's radio show. That is too kind. Thank you very much. Yes, smooth sailing. Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, Yacht Rock, easy listening, classic pop, all MOR, all that sort of stuff to just sort of relax and kick back to on a Sunday evening. And Jules, dear old Coolio, um, gone at 59. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's I so passed away this week. Uh, clearly was not in a good place for some time, but was still doing nightclub appearances in the UK towards the end. He was touring with Vanilla Ice, apparently, when he passed away. <laughs> and I know. Um, and the Matt Chorley from The Times tweeted some lovely sort of recollections of he said, oh, dear old Coolio, the only interviewee I've ever had that's had to read their own book during the interview about the book in order to tell me what was going on. And he said, I worried for him. And then he played at a nightclub in Taunton and he said, you know, played his hit and uh, everybody went wild for it. Coolio had, I think, three top 40 hits. Gangster's Paradise is the one that everyone remembers. But I rather I was rather charmed by this um a while ago when i was doing a quiz there were some questions based on songs that that interpolate a packable's canon and i thought this was rather a nice reimagining of packable's canon i'm quite i'm quite a fan of this and also like you say added poignancy now that that dear Oculio is no more but i i find this quite sweet maybe i'm just i don't know getting sentimental in my approaching middle age but um i i rather like this this is um annoyingly they use they do the whole misspelling and you the sort of phones for you approach of spelling songs so i'm sorry for that but this is coolio and i'll see you when you get there
guess that's just the way it go. I ain't trying to preach. I believe I can reach, but your mind ain't prepared. I see you when you get there. Listening to a Parish Council production.